Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorja, and welcome to IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life, a podcast where your favorite stars break down the films that made them who they are today. This week's guest is actor Ian McShane. You may know Ian as Al Swearingen in Deadwood or as Winston in the John Wick franchise, but he joins me today to chat about his role as Mr. Wednesday in Star's American Gods. Ian and I talk about internet fandom around American Gods, that time he met Marlon Brando, and the movies that changed his life. I wanted to give two quick shout outs. First to at Catcher on Twitter who agreed with Joel Kinnaman saying that Lan is so damn good. And to Shy 206 on Apple Podcasts for our most recent five-star review. If you listen and want to give us some thoughts on the show, please use the hashtag movies that changed my life and tag IMDb on Twitter or give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts and I'll keep reading those out throughout the season. Thanks again for listening. Here's movies that changed my life with Ian McShane. Ian, uh, I'm a big fan of American Gods. Uh, I love the book, originally written by Neil Gaiman. Uh, you're, we're now midway through season three, coming up on the finale. So uh, do you want to chat about that a little bit? I, You know, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, over three seasons of a show which has had, you know, um, I think the first episode, first series was overpraised. I think the second series was underpraised. And series three, I don't know where we land with that. But, I mean, you've got so many people who've got their own opinions about what the show should be and, you know, other people writing it, other people's ideas, what they call hardcore fans. I'm not quite sure because the book actually is not a book, if you know what. Have you read the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was a big fan of the book. You know what I mean? It's a blueprint. You put put your own ideas on it. You put your own... Um, you put your own spin onto whatever. I mean, that's what Gaiman does. Gaiman gives you a sort of a blueprint, this particular book anyway, and then goes off, you know, goes off road, if you like, and everybody else does. So there's no real, when people say, oh, this isn't in the book, that isn't in the book. There's a lot that isn't in the book, but there's a lot that could be in the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, a lot could be in the TV show. What they've chosen to show is whatever, you know, it's uh my character Wednesday, I've enjoyed playing it. You know, I enjoy him. It's a great character. Um, I think we've come to the end of the road with it, but we'll see. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a good three years. Uh, well, no, actually, all, all together, it's going to be near, coming up to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, great character. 
Yeah. Lots of fun to play. We'll see where it goes. Um, I, I have, you see, I'm very ambivalent about the show, but everybody has their own strong ideas. I have my own idea about it, but, um, you know, let the, let the internet play with it. Let people who are, you know, decide what they want. I mean, those are the loudest voices in the room. We just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Letting the internet play with it. Uh, that actually kind of makes sense given the theme of the old gods versus the new gods too. What's it like working on a show where every week people are like breaking down every scene? You know, I was watching one from this last week's episode and the person was referencing every time you brought up your character, Mr. Wednesday brought up like a Shakespeare reference. Uh, what's that like for you just like as an actor, knowing that fans are so passionate about not only the show, but your character in particular? Well, if you can't tell the difference between a Shakespeare quote and the script. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's great. It's, but, you know, we're doing TV. I mean, it's great. I mean, that was a quote from Lear about yeah. his son. I mean, that was what that we're referring to there. That just happened to be in. I think I spoke to the writer about it. He seemed to be quite funny. It's a funny one, you know, mm -hmm. um, as he says it to himself. But, no, I think they should get on with it. I mean, I don't I don't belong to any social media, which is a good thing, uh -huh. you know. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, with my temperament, I'd be trying to find everybody that ever said a bad word again. <laughs> So that's not a good idea. So I just keep away from it. I mean, criticism is criticism. Yeah. You can't take it and get out of the business, you know. <laughs> but you don't have to read everything, Ian. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, and there was so much more of it now. I mean, it's as uh, you know, I think I say in the last episode last week when the Hank, the technician, said, mm -hmm. "Oh, you're oh, you're Odin in this. Uh, Odin's a bit of an asshole in the story." And I said. Everybody's a critic, which is true. I mean, everybody nowadays is a critic. Right. But with every great invention comes the downside. But there we go. <laughs> exactly. I guess you guess you know I've seen the social dilemma, you know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are the victims, you know. Right. We are the victims. We are not the consumers, you know. Right. We are the consumer and the, the people who they, they, they take care of the ads. Right. Yeah, but as they've always done. It's amazing, isn't it? It's funny. But everybody thinks that, you know. We're in charge of it. No, we're not in charge of anything. Right. Every Everything is sort of controlled by something else. Let's chat a little bit about Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday morning. Um, yeah. I, I, I had never seen, so I actually had unfortunately never seen the three of these films that you selected, the first one being against Saturday night and Sunday morning from 1960. Uh, like you said, starring Albert Finney and uh, the great Shirley Ann Field and Rachel Roberts. So um, I was particularly invested in Saturday night and Sunday morning. What a film. I mean, I can imagine growing up, you know, in the era, this seemed like such an honest slice of life depiction of the working class in England at the time. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk about that? Like when, when you first saw this movie? Well, yeah, I mean, seeing it, you know, I mean, first of all, Albert was sort of a, a bit of a hero for me. I mean, he's a few years older than me, Albert, but from the same part of the world. And he sort of went to drama school in the early 50s. Uh, and then I saw him quite out of the blue at, uh, when we went for our, I think it was the sixth form um, examination in English literature, taking my sort of exams to go to university. And it was Coriolanus was on the set, Shakespeare, and they were doing it at Stratford. And we all went down, you know, then they'd take you on school bus. You know, you'd, our, our matinees at Stratford were full of school kids reading their syllabus for their English exams. And usually it was the play, you right. know. And I happened to two of them. I saw Hamlet in 55, I think, 56. And then we went down by coach, all of us that were taking the exam, and saw it was going to be uh, Olivier. It was Olivier's mm. great performance. About, but, but he was he was injured. He did the spectacular fall, and he'd injured himself. So who came on? The audition? The, under, the understudy? 
Albert, hmm. who was fantastic. And he sort of catapulted him into sort of, you know, into theatrical fame in England as a, as a, you know, as a terrific young actor. And then he did Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, which is a great, it's a, it's a great performance, you know. I mean, somebody once described Albert as looking like, you know, and he did. Like, he looked like a freshly scrubbed apple. <laughs> anyway, no, he did. Great. Rosy cheeks. He looked hey. like a healthy English guy, you know. Do you think it accurately represented the time correctly? I mean, not... So, yeah. So it represents the exact year that I went to drama school. Right. In 1960, checking my, um, you know, the year, I think, two years after I'd seen Albert and then on stage. But it represented, yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't want, I didn't want to go and work. I mean, my dad was a footballer. Right. But I certainly wasn't going to work in a factory. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. But then it was the time of... Uh, so we're seeing somebody on screen who represented you and your peers, right? people you went to school with, or what they could represent, you know. Also, at the time, there was a lot of, you know, my best friend emigrated to Australia two years later because he could figure there was nothing for him in England anymore. And th- they actually talk about that in Saturday night and Sunday morning, correct? Isn't one of the brothers is in Australia? I think so, yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I, you know, um, yeah, they did because they would offer, like, uh, my, 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 dad's, my dad's sister and his... Uh, and her husband, they moved to Australia. They'd give you like a money, they'd pay for your trip there and pay for you to settle down, but they came back again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of getting out of England after the 50s, you know? Something in particular about Saturday night and Sunday morning that I liked and was interesting is that Albert Finney's character of Arthur, you always kind of seem like he's gonna like learn from sort of any lesson, whether yeah. it's when he gets beat up or when he gets caught or these the situation with the married woman. But he doesn't seem to learn, and he he kind of keeps on like moving forward. Um, was that sort of like the mentality of of? Well, I my mentality. I mean, I like you know. I mean, I didn't take. I don't think I took act. I think I took acting like Albert did, half seriously until I was well into my thirties. I mean, I was determined to have a good time. Right. It's like you know backwards. I mean, it's now it's time. What what you say? I will, I will commit my life to my profession until I'm sixty, and then have a good time. Right. No, I. I mean, I did a little backwards. I decided, you know, early on that I was going to live my life and and have an acting career, and then later on, whatever. Also, I was, you know, you you look at it. I was always a little younger, mm. and that, as I said at the time, that's why Saturday Night and Sunday Morning had been done. So after seeing all those films of my mom and dad, who weren't, you know, like, I mean, they took me to Sunset Boulevard when I was like thirteen, <laughs> which is my favorite movie of all time, actually. Mm. I mean, I think. Billy Wilder and all that. But, I mean, I wanted to talk about something a little different. Yeah. But I, I mean, even now I get excited about, you know, watching and putting a movie on, the act of putting it in and thinking, what the hell is this going to be? Right. It's real, but nobody where it's from. So then you can imagine, you know, being in London when you had a plethora of art house movies. I mean, you had everything. And you had everything from Ingmar Bergman right the way through the French New Wave. I mean, fantastic movies. And we go all the time, you know. We just go in there. Both this film and Saturday Night and Sunday Morning are in the the kitchen sink drama, which is kind of England's answer to the French New Wave, basically. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Um, so this sporting life is about uh, Richard Harris. He is a you know, again, a, a working class man who happens to be a rising rugby star, uh, and he ends up getting signed. It's basically his life, not only as becoming a, a rugby, rugby star, but also he's in love with the woman he is living with, um, but she doesn't necessarily uh, reciprocate that love back. So do you want to talk about um, this sporting life and, and how this is? A- it's a really vicious, cruel film. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's a heavyweight movie. That's why I, I watched it again a couple of years. I mean, I haven't seen it. But I didn't want to appear like I, you know, talking to you like I watched it again and, and looked at every frame of it right, last night. Right. And I didn't want it to be going to that kind of a dissertation on a movie. But I remember being struck by the power of, I mean, I think their performances, um, Rachel Roberts, Oh, she's incredible. She's yeah. great, 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 great actress. I mean, but her performance is that, you know, the the abused woman as she was in as she was in Saturday Night, but yet with that incredible strength behind her mm-hmm. that you know goes against what you know the, the the character that Harris was. I mean, Harris is brutal in it. And yeah, he's great. He's he's incredible. And when I was watching this again, I hadn't seen this before. Uh, I also really enjoyed it. Is that you know this movie is clearly highly influential even in like more modern films. I mean. Raging Bull isn't necessarily like modern, but I feel like Raging Bull is sort of uh, a big homage, big homage, well, they're, right? They're sporting films, but they've really got nothing to do with sport, if you know what I mean. Right, you know? yeah, it's about sort of their climb and their struggle and how they want more, but they're unable to attain it. It was really interesting to see that. And even, I think, um, De Niro's performance in Raging Bull even emulates Richard Harris in this sporting life, which I thought was interesting. Oh, it's a great performance. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, to play that, you know, that sort of committed... I mean, because they're both this, you know, despicable characters in many ways, mm-hmm. but they are what they are. They're men of their time. Right. So you have to watch them, these monsters, go through their life. So, But then again, you've got, you know, you've got in the sporting life, you've got the chairman of the club, the duplicitous chairman right. played by Al Dell, and the whole, you know, the the, the, the veneer, wonder god, the woman that owns, you know, his wife that's in the club, that the, the fancies the players, whatever, <laughs> right. the whole war that goes on. And don't forget, it was directed by... Not an Englishman, which I think is what makes it great. Mm. Carol Wright, Czech. I mean, it's like Tom Stoppard. I mean, it's like, you know, Tom Stoppard is a gift of the English literature because it's not his first language. Hmm. Like, uh, uh, like you know, um, Nabokov wasn't his first language. Right. I mean, I English may be the only language where people who's not their first language come in and actually find the language and make the language make more. No, really, use yeah. the language in such a phenomenal way. A Stoppard and Nabokov do. I don't know other languages of like, other authors that have been, you know, 
uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning and um, the sporting life sporting life stand out to me because of the sort of, I know they were fantastically out there performances by the actors involved in it. Mm -hmm. I think that's why and combined they, they I remember most vividly for this sporting life. Um, did you react any differently to the film because your dad grew up as a professional football player? Well, different because that's rugby league and rugby league. My dad was this, what's fascinating about sporting life is because it's, a sport, rugby league, which is a fabulous sport, but it's really only played in the north of England. Mm, okay. I mean, they are these guys. It's fascinating. I mean, they show they should watch it's it here. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal, but they're guys. They never argue with it. You should see a game. And these guys are like superstars where they are. Right. They don't wear any padding, no helmets, yeah. and they all tackle properly. Though it's interesting. It's a really they don't argue with the ref. You never see a fight. It's like it's a really sort of personalized, but it's like. UFC with a with a real sort of you know discipline to it. Right. I mean, UFC does have discipline, but I don't think so when you get fifteen men doing the same thing. Right. But it's but his character Harris was such a lunatic, and because he, he doesn't play it particularly well at the start. Right. He's just uh, sort of a bull that like he he just charges forward and he does that in life as well. That's all his reaction to everything is a bull in a china shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Richard Harris is is pretty unbelievable in in the in the film and something i really liked about the sporting life too is that it's a bit avant-garde in the way it tells the story right yeah. like it has it kind of it does a lot of time jumps it has stuff whether he's dreaming or when he's under medication when he's getting his teeth fixed um so what was that yeah. like seeing that you know especially compared to saturday night and sunday morning is super straightforward so i mean i think it's a great example of taking uh, a novel and making a film of it or like taking a play. You just don't take the play and dump it on screen. You actually have to make a different version of your idea mm -hmm. and story you brilliantly with that. Saturday Sunday morning is much more sort of a northern by the rules, clock in as a fact. And I understood that. So the way that was directed, I understood well. You know, I, I, I thought that was, yeah, it's fine. Last question, Life, here for The Sporting Life. So you had been acting at this point. You, you Your credits were young and willing and then first night. Um, when you saw this, did this uh, did this change sort of the way you wanted to approach acting after seeing Harris's performance? I don't know, subtly. I mean, watching every terrific actor has an effect on you. You know, you don't copy. I mean, right. I, I talked about some of the, you know, uh, you know, the who did you meet anybody in your life? Yeah, I met Marlon Brando by accident with a guy <laughs> at a dinner party. A good friend said, I've got a friend of mine coming from America. This is in 19, what was it, 19, I think it was 1970. And we're coming for dinner. And we walked in. He went, this is Marlon Brando. So I went, hello, how are you? <laughs> he was just as great as you wanted him to be. Yeah. I mean, he was interesting, funny, charming. And I kept sitting there. And this is before I then watched him in Last Tango in Paris, mm. The Godfather. This is 1970. So his great performance was still to come. Right. But anybody that's watched him change, you know, he, he did change screen acting with his performances in Streetcar early. And then, I mean, but Harris again went on to, you know, I mean, they famously fell out when they did, um, what do you call it? Mutiny on the Bounty together, mm. apparently. They, they, you know, they, but uh, he had super egos, whatever. Who knows? Right. It's still an interesting movie. No, I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I knew Richard. I worked with him. If I may throw it in, he was, he was living at the Savoy Hotel. And they carried him out. He got very ill one night and they carried him out. He lived at the, and as he was being carried out by the ambulance, he, he got up and he said, it's the food to all the people <laughs> in the hotel. <laughs> let's, let's jump to our last film here. Uh, Academy Award winner for Best Picture. This is Tom Jones from 1963. 
uh, directed by Tony Richardson, written by John Osborne and Henry Fielding, starring Albert Finney again, uh, Susanna York, and George Devine. Um, it's about eighteenth century. Uh, it's a rope. Yeah, it's it's a rom com, and it is one of the most again another film I hadn't seen, another incredibly bizarre and funny film. I don't think I'd ever, like almost have never seen a movie like this. It's kind of like Barry Lyndon meets Monty Python. Like it's it's Ian, that's exactly it's a great it's a great piece of again bravura filmmaking, bravura acting from you know from Finney and. Moira Redmond, who plays the what that marvelous eating scene when they have all the food, you know? right, right, all this, the the turkey legs and stuff, right. Way before Harry met Sally, you know. Then you got the great Hugh Griffith playing the squire. I mean, his when he falls off the horse is one of the great moments in cinematic history, right. But again, when you said, I think you summed it up pretty well. That I well, I wanted to pick something completely different that it wasn't all black and white and doom and gloom, right. And it's in color and it's blazing and it's a romp from beginning to end. And it's made with great. I mean, I think the sort of warmth jumps off the screen when you see that movie. Yeah, it was interesting watching Albert Finney in this compared to Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. I mean, it's like two different people. Um, yeah. The range of performance is is so interesting to me. So uh, for you, I mean, coming out of these kitchen sink dramas and, and French new wave, which you appear to be a big fan of, you know, those films compared to this, they're so different. So what was it like when you got to see Tom Jones for the first time? I think it's just happy. You enjoy, you went into a film knowing it was going to be enjoyable and came out thinking, yes, it was enjoyable. Did it mean anything? Um, not particularly at the time, but not every film has to mean something, you know, right. not every, it's a romp about the time. I'm sure, you know, as you said, did it realistically, um, convey the time <laughs> i mean i personally wouldn't have wanted to live in the 18th century i don't know about you ian right, but, you no, know, probably not i mean you get up in the morning the smell of shit must have stayed with you all day you know what i mean <laughs> but the film makes such sort of a joyous because people then you know lived as they do now because people make the best of wherever they are but have to because right. it ain't going to change for time soon so that i just wanted to come uh, make that film as a as a as a, I didn't want to pick three films of doom and gloom from the that not all the uh, you know the British the, the, the British films of that time were all that kind of a movie. It was an interesting period because at the end of that, as you say, you're now going into um, the period of American independent movie making. Because I remember making a movie in '68, an American movie, if it's Tuesday, and uh, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium, which was all Americans apart from me playing the uh, tour guide. 1968, and we made it all on location in Europe. But I had to come to America to dub it. Mm. They didn't have they didn't have you know any kind of lines under the ocean. They didn't have crystal fiber then, right? Well, optic, optic, <laughs> optic, fiber optics, whatever. Saying, oh, you can do a voiceover now. We've been very well in the world. So they brought me across, and I stayed at the Beverly Wilshire for three weeks and dubbed. If it's Tuesday, but they weren't making any movies in America then. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. I went. I went to the studio. And it was like interesting. At MGM, I'd never been before. And you draw up to the great studio, MGM, and you see Irving Thalberg, and you go, wow. And I said, so who's, you know, any movie stars here? What are they making? The guy went, no, we're not doing anything. We're making a bit of television. And Marooned is coming in in a month. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty remarkable. You think about it now. They were making nothing. It was the year, every, everybody's afraid of television. This was before you got, and then this is just before you got all the great sort of, you know, Scorsese, all the independent American movies, right. and then sort of English, and then England went sort of backwards from that mm. because 
dominated by American movies. Right. And, and all the Americans came to London and made movies out of London. Then they all moved back here in the 70s. The right. Late 70s. Yeah. I, I know like Scorsese and, and, and that class of directors, they were particularly inspired by the French New Wave and the British New Wave films and wanted to bring that sort of energy back to Hollywood. So, yeah, yeah I mean, Tom Jones isn't isn't in the like we've said isn't in the same vein as those but were you paying attention to the academy awards because tom jones won best picture that's because it was in color and because it mm. was a you know i mean and because it was a rompy and because people would identify more with it. no and god bless it. It, it it drew attention to the movies but did he deserve the academy no 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 movie ever deserves the academy award <laughs> i mean i do not that i've seen recently yeah parasite did oh I thought yeah parasite, parasite was brilliant that's an amazing movie yeah. It's just an amazing move. But um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I've never paid much attention to awards. I mean, I've got, you know, geez, I got a Golden Globe, but I thought they made a mistake back in 2005. You know, those, <laughs> the weirdest lot you've ever seen in your life, you know, I mean, comes up with it this year. I mean, you're going to go, wow, have you really? They come up with, they come up with actors and movies you'll never see. Hey, it's a, it's a closed group of people. God bless them, whatever they want to do. Right. Do you have a favorite sequence? I know we, we talked about the eating sequence. But, but that, from- that's, I think that's my favorite, the eating sequence, because it may be, I know it's the most obvious one now, whatever, but at the time, mm, and yeah, I think yeah. I'm doing it. And again, it's the it's the older woman. And I, t- I tell you what, what Finney and what came across uh, Finney's performances, both in that and in Tom Jones, is the, the relish with which he acted. Yeah. You know, it wasn't all, he acted with great relish, you know what I mean? He really enjoyed being those people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't enjoy, and that same with Harris, if you don't enjoy being those people, it's not going to come across. They're not, they're not men who who are introspective at that time. Mm. You know, they are forces of nature. And that's, I guess, why, um, I mean, it's not only performances, but I just thought Tom Jones was, exactly, he said he won an Oscar. Yeah, but when I, when I mentioned it, I'd forgotten about that. You know, I really had. I just thought it was. It's interesting that the other movies I don't think made that much of a splash here. Films like Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and This Sporting Life. I think time has has done it favors. Like people are really going back to those types of movies, especially especially now, like with again and rise of like independent filmmaking. I think you know movies like that um, are, are becoming more relevant. I think because here in the states, like. When I watched Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, I kept thinking of Catcher in the Rye, and that's like you know a, a stalwart yeah. American book to read for any kid in high school reads Catcher in the Rye here in the states, basically. Um, and I feel like Holden Caulfield's character sort of captures a lot of what was going on with British New Wave and French New Wave. So I think that that could be a reason as why that that film genre didn't catch on quite. Yeah, I mean because people didn't know who were finding out who they were. You yeah. know, I mean I don't think people have ever, you know, not on film or the question themselves about that but again it's like the relish with actors when they relishing the movie they're in and i don't mean by overacting or what that word emoting you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but the sheer relish of what they were doing um and uh you know and rachel roberts is a break your heart actress you know she really is she's that woman who always you know there's more to her there but men are always going to discard her in some kind of way But, but i mean her and then moira redmond who plays the uh, the woman in the, who he has who Tom Jones has the you know has that great scene with as we said the eating scene which is the you know the the sexual simile. <laughs> right. Uh, my my favorite part about Tom Jones is how many times he breaks the fourth wall. Like there's there are maybe four or five times throughout the film where he kind of 
he kind of looks at the he looks at the camera and asks like you didn't see that did you i thought that was very you know i know but I don't, but that 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 again i didn't mention because it's sort of part of it again it's relish it's kind of saying it doesn't interfere with the movie it's done right i mm -hmm. remember when i did a series called lovejoy in england and i did that broke the fourth wall and nobody really noticed <laughs> no which is good yeah. it, told, like, it wasn't like saying oh they broke they've done something terrible the first time you noticed it here was when they did um, House of Cards. House of Cards. Thank you, Ian. Yeah. I mean, they did that originally, but played by the great Ian Richardson, who yeah. used to look at the camera and go, you know, I couldn't possibly remind you. But if it's used right, it's it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Very so brilliant. Comes in, you say, yeah. But as you said, you don't. When you told me now, I'd forgotten. <laughs> but if it's carried, if it's in the whole filmmaking can encompass a lot of things, you know, mm -hmm. last question here before we wrap. So we have Saturday night and Sunday morning, this sporting life and Tom Jones. Do you see a through line or a connective tissue between the three films? Well, apart from the sixties, English and Albert Finney being the star of two of them. <laughs> um, Saturday night and Sunday morning could have been my life in a sense. Mm-hmm. The character, I mean, of, of, of growing up and going into it. Uh, Tom Jones is a, just a, a romp. I wanted uh, I wanted to, to pick that movie because it was something different to Sporting Life, which is a I thought was a connection to, um, to Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, but about a sport which wasn't about... There weren't superstars in that sport. They were like another job. Mm -hmm. Rugby player was another job. I mean, it's brutal because it's like you can't play next week. Well, you know, they all had jobs during the day. You know what I mean? They didn't. It wasn't like there was. It was for a part of that life. And because I'm from the north, I think I picked it deliberately because I'm from the north of England. And that's but And uh, I think David's story is a hugely gifted writer. I could have picked, uh, you know, we could uh, we could go and talk in forever, whatever you wanted to. But it's like, yeah. We get such a wide range of selections. Um, I was, I've, I've been kind of been in a very like French new wave mood lately. So I'm glad I got pulled back into the British, the British new wave because it's, I'm sort of filling out some holes here and there. And some of these are on there as well. So well, I think there's one, have you seen the one movie, which is the great, the, the French new wave, which has always got to me, which is the, what's it with the great actress, uh, the two guys, what's it called with Truffaut's movie about the, uh, two guys vying for the same girl. Oh, no, no. oh Jules and Jim. Jules and Jim. Yes, yes, yes. That is a good one. That blew me. I went to see Johnny Hurt and I went to see I'm never. We were both like, well, that's just, that was amazing. But it's like saying you can talk about that, but Wild Strawberries. I mean, you go through mm -hmm. all those movies. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, when I was like 18, 19, 20, and these, I mean, amazing movies from everywhere. From Milos Foreman, Fireman's Ball, Knife in the Water. Mm -hmm. But I picked that because I'm British. I stuck to British films. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, a, as a good Brit, uh, northerner Brit should. Well, thank you so much for hanging out today. Uh, it was great to go back in time to chat about some of the movies that changed your life. So the finale of season three of American Gods comes out on March 21st. Are there any last things uh, you want to say to the fans listening in ahead of the episode? Do you know, as Jerry Garcia said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much. Again, I'm, I'm a fan of, of American Gods. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it, was, it was great talking to you. This was fun. Okay, pal. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to head over to imdb.com slash podcasts for more content on Ian and to easily add the movies that changed his life to your IMDb watch list. <laughs>